Hey everybody, Josh Sheridan here with the Barely Legal Podcast. Today is a good day for me for a couple reasons. First of all, today is, and the show is, the first uh, show that I am doing with a new sponsor. Uh, I've had the opportunity to get a uh, collaboration with Distill a company out of Charleston, South Carolina. Their uh, website is distillunion.com. I have uh, posted a link on our Facebook page, and we'll do so on our Instagram as well, for their product. I love their product. They do sunglasses, wallets, iPhone cases, keychains. And I don't know if it's proprietary or not, but their sunglasses sunglasses have this maglock device that allows them to magnetically clip onto your shirt. And if you have little children or are active or are chasing people around, uh, you know that your sunglasses constantly fall off. This maglock allows it to lock onto your shirt and you not lose it. So I'm not getting any money from them. It's not a paid ad. I just tell you that to say this. It's a great product. I love it. And they've been nice enough to give us a discount code. Uh, type in Barely Legal Podcast, no spaces when you go on their site. And that'll get you a discount on anything that you uh, decide to buy. It's a great product and it's kind of a giving back to my listeners uh, as a thank you for following the show. Check out their stuff. I love it. I wear their sunglasses every day. Hopefully you'll like it too. Uh, Today's show, one of my favorite people in the world, Jason Samus, has agreed to come on. I love characters, and God, if there isn't a bigger character locally than Jason Samus, I don't know who is. That's all right. See, there you go, right off the the bat. Um, I don't know how it is that I first met Jason but he called me Pards, and I right away I was like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? And just everything about him, the way he carries himself, what he says, the way he practices law uh, is just one of a kind. So thank you so much for coming on the show today, Jason. Well, thank you, Josh. I, I appreciate that. I got that, that Pards thing. I had a buddy in college who used to always refer to everyone as where, Pards. Where in God's green earth did you come from? I don't know. An, I don't know another person in this world like you. You are one of a kind. Well, I just... Uh, you know, I've got all these voices going Where are you on. from? I'm from, actually, yeah, I, I grew up down here. Uh, Did you? In Tampa, yeah. I you carry to, yourself like you're from Massachusetts well, or from... I was I was born in uh, Long Island. Oh, so okay. I, I, uh, I moved down here when I was seven. And ha- we're about the same age. I think you might be a year or two I'm older. 46. I'll be 47 okay. in a couple months. I'm 44. I'll be 45 in a couple yeah. months. So right around the same age. Yeah. So f- your formative years, were they in Florida or yeah. were they... Okay. Uh, seven through... Uh, college was here in Tampa. Really? Yeah. Where'd you so go to school? I went to Berkeley. Ah. And any siblings? I do. I have a younger sister who is um, actually you, you probably like this with all your misfit stuff around here. Um, she is. Uh, she works at a. Have you ever been to one of these haunts, like the haunted houses? Oh yeah, the, for sure. The, the, the big yeah. things. Yeah. She works at this place called Netherworld in Atlanta. Okay. And she runs the sort of runs the business from okay. them, but she's very interesting. She's she's just. Do they are they do they like a, a fixed shop or do they like lease out their services to different amusement parks or no, how does that work? They are a fixed thing. It's one of the biggest ones in Georgia. Have you ever been to it? Uh, I ha- I've been to it not when they're open. Oh, okay. I've, I've been to it and seen their you know when they're building inside. They get intense. Stuff. Like oh yeah, do some post traumatic stress disorder oh, yeah. type of yeah, stuff I, to people. I, you know, at, at my age, I don't want to have to go and have people jumping. Life is rooms. scary enough already. Exactly. We don't need to add that that stress into our life. Exactly. But she does. Uh, she's up in Atlanta, and she does that, and she's she's really into that. And she goes to all these like shows, uh, you know, like the craft show, not craft shows, but like a 
basically like Comic Con for sure, yeah, for horror people. Right, right, right. And uh, so she gets really into all that stuff. Is that something she sought out or just kind of fell into? That's something she sort of sought out. She was uh, she actually she did, a goth uh, kid or a no, you know, not. But she's she's not she doesn't dress goth. But she probably has a pretty goth attitude. Does she like horror movies or loves horror movies? Yeah. Loves stuff like that. I gotta Lo- have her on. Yeah, well, loves all the. St- she's she's really into it. I've become a late stage horror person. I grew up in the age, and as you did, I guess we're we're about the same age, the age of the slasher flick. And I oh, had yeah. a, I, I couldn't do the slasher flicks too much, but I have strong memories of Jaws. I have strong memories of The Exorcist. The Shining is one of my favorite movies, and oh, yeah. still to this day, if I hear that damn piano from uh, Halloween, I can't sleep for about three nights. Exactly, but you know, let's let's go a little bit more lowbrow though, like and, and think of like great eighties movies. Because you're a, if you were my age, you you know you know Toxic Avenger, Toxic Avenger, Maximum Overdrive, oh, yeah. Maximum uh, Overdrive, Creep Show, one of the most underrated soundtracks. That there is well, ACDC, it's a, right? It's, a, it's an ACDC. Have you album. seen the, Have you seen the trailer for that? It's been going around recently on YouTube for Maximum? for Maximum Overdrive. Is there a remake? No, no, no. Oh. For the original. Okay. You got to watch when when you leave here today. I want you to pull up on your phone the Maximum Overdrive trailer. I think that Stephen King is out of his mind on cocaine in that trailer. It is the most insane trailer in the world. And at the end, he cuts a promo like Randy Macho Man Savage or something where his eyeballs are like jumping out of his head. It is the most insane thing in the world. Because he directed that movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I always love, he likes to talk shit about Stanley Kubrick and the version of The Shining that he did. And then he goes and directs Maximum Overdrive, which is good or entertaining, not because it was intended to be, but right. for other reasons exactly. entirely. Exactly. No, but uh, it's funny. You, meant, you bring up The Shining. The Shining, you know, you, you, if you read books and, and go see the movie, you generally do not like the movie if it's anything different than what you have in your mind on the book. Sure. The Shining is the one movie that independently I love the book, which is very different than the movie. There are two great works of art that... You know, The Shining could have almost been called something different. Oh, yeah. And, you know, avoided some of the heat. But, I mean, if I had to pick the book or the movie, I would pick the movie, which may be controversial. But I find no fault at all. I think that's one of the greatest movies in the world, especially in light of all of the weird conspiracy and, and stuff that oh, yeah. happened after the fact about... Have you seen that? What's the Room 227 yeah, or whatever yeah, the documentary is about about... Uh, about how the setup of the hotel couldn't possibly be accurate based on the way that they shot it, right? And uh, f- things moving around in shots, and yeah. you know, faking the the moon landing, and just exactly. all this craziness that kind of came about after. Did you see Doctor Sleep? Uh, no, I read Doctor Sleep, and uh, I got to like probably seventy five pages from the end of the book, and then. For some reason, put it down and never picked it up again. Yeah, I enjoyed the hell out of it. Yeah, and to be honest, I read everything that King wrote from Carrie up till The Dark Tower, and I haven't read anything since. What's your favorite one? My favorite Stephen King book? Um, it's definitely The Stand. Is it really? Yeah. Now they've they've tried and failed to turn that into a movie several oh, times, and I think they're was, working on it again. But the, the made for TV effort was was poor. Poor to it was poor. poor. But the thing that I loved about it is they played a Blue Oyster Cult, oh, yeah. cult during like the opening scene where the country, the country's kind of. I think know, that's in the book, isn't it? Blue Oyster Cult. Yeah, because when he did you read the book? 
I might have read the book. I've I've had I've I've gone through spurts with Stephen King, and as a kid, for some reason, I got really into him. I for some reason the one the two that I have the most um, recollection of are, are kind of two B level Stephen Kings, which is the Tommyknockers and the Dark Half. Oh, I love the um, Dark Half. Yeah, I, I, I remember half. reading both of those. Well, that's that's what the when he when he has a split personality yeah. and he, he smokes the Pall Malls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's yeah. what I always remember about the Pall yeah. Malls. The thing about Stephen King to me is he gets me right up till the end, but then his payoffs are always kind of don't fit the, the rest of the book. Wow. Like like the like it was amazing. Yeah. Then you have the big dumbass spider crab thing at the end, and you're yeah. like, you could have just had it be a spirit or a killer or whatever. He he's always got and then with the Tommy Knockers was the aliens and right. It just always goes, and then the dark half. He had like the deformed twin on his back. Right, it's right, just like right. you could just pull back just a little bit, and not go full, you know, full retard like they say in a in a what's the movie? With the, oh, um, with um, Robert Tropic Thunder. Thunder. Yeah, yeah, Tropic Thunder. Yeah. yeah, he 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 could he could always just do to pull back a little bit. I think I loved his um, I loved his uh, short stories. Yeah, well, the novellas, uh, yeah. the monkey shines, or yeah. what was the the Bachman books were great. Yeah, yeah. and then, uh, different seasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Had the app pupil in it. Well, wasn't the app pupil and, and uh, Stand, Stand by, by Me and uh, Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption? Shawshank Redemption, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, he's got when he's when he's kind of toning it down a little bit. I like him better when he's toning it down. Mm. Oh, yeah. Was app pupil the one where the guy was a Nazi yeah. like war criminal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they've got this this wild one in the Bachman books called The Long Walk. And the premise of it is it's like this really prestigious thing to get into. And there's like, you know, six hundred contestants each year. And they start in Portland or they start in, in Upper Maine. Uh-huh. And the walk long walk goes, you know, until it stops at Portland, Maine. Sure. But the idea of it is all these people walk and you have to walk four miles an hour. Right. Okay. And if you Drop below four miles an hour, you get a warning, and then you have to get back up. And then if you, second warning, you get shot. Yeah. So the end of the race is just one person alive. Sure. Just crazy stuff. Oh, that fantastic. sounds amazing. Yeah, it's great. The Mist, was The Mist based on Stephen King? I'm not sure. I think it was. That's the one where they're all trapped in the store. Yes. Um, did you see the remake of that with Thomas Jane? No. Oh, my though God. I love, en- I love Thomas Jane. The ending of that movie was the darkest... That ending, oh, so uh, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen The Mist or read The Mist or whatever, do you mind if I talk about it with you? So, uh, you know, it's they're in Maine, surprisingly, and they're in they're in a grocery store. And it's it's funny because so much of it is is uh, is uh, before it's time, especially in the age of covid. But you have this crew of casting characters in Maine and you have kind of the town hero and then kind of the kookier people and they're all stuck in this grocery store and there's this mist that basically is killing everybody outside the store and so as they're inside this grocery store they're they're kind of forming sides those that think that they should open the doors and go out those that think that they should stay in and it becomes this microcosm of society almost you know in a it's funny watching it today it's maskers and anti-maskers stuck in this grocery store Right, right, right And so towards the end of the movie, they decide that they're going to, there's just a few people left. And I think it's like Thomas Jane and his son and this woman that he's kind of got a romantic relationship and maybe her dad or something. And they, they jump in their truck and they're driving, 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 trying to get out of the mist. And 
finally, I don't know if I don't know if the car has troubles or it runs out of gas and he's faced with what to do and they decide that he's going to kill everybody in the car and then kill himself so that they don't have to suffer through whatever evils are lurking in the mist and he ends up killing killing the three other occupants of the car and I if I remember I could misremember it he goes to kill himself and he's out of bullets huh. and the mist clears and there's the military. They've driven off whatever was in the mist. And right. if he had waited literally seconds longer, he wouldn't have had to have killed his son and his love right. interest and her right, father. Right, right, right. It was the darkest fucking ending to any movie I'd ever seen. I was like, wow. Because you know they market tested that. And there's probably other endings where everybody got out yeah. scot-free and probably would have done better. So I, I had to give it to him. You know, they went the darkest path they could have with that. I'll, it's still worth watching. I'll be honest with you. I have uh, I used to watch all sorts of dark movies. Can't do it anymore. Yeah, can't do it. With kids. Can't do it. With kids and the type of work that we do. Exactly. And the one exception is music. But I used to... I, used I to, love dark music. I love dark music. But as a kid, I was into some dark-ass movies. Like, just... But anymore, like, yeah. I just don't have it in me. I, uh, what I'll, do you, I'll be honest with you. Um, have you watched Ozark? Oh, sure. Okay. I stopped two episodes into season two. Loved the show. Incredibly acted. Brilliant. I just couldn't take it anymore. It yeah. Was, every episode was such a, like, an emo so emotionally draining yeah. that I'm just like, Sorry, I mean, I, I didn't watch the last season of Peaky Blinders, and it was. Do you my think it's because of kids, or do you think it's because of just having more life under your belt, or just? I think it's the life under your belt, and I think it. I think a lot of it about it is what we do, and you know. Yeah, you just, just want something lighthearted. You don't exactly. want to have the weight of the world on your shoulders. I, I just the only things I watch now. The only thing I watch religiously on TV is Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty. You know what I've? So here's my. I I, I always try and slip one by with my kids you know i got my daughter and my son liking bob's burgers nice, nice. and you know that's such a an adult humor oh, there yeah. but they love it and they think it's funny and it kind of appeals across the board but i start you know i, I start getting my kids watching bob's burgers or bojack yeah. horseman or some of oh, these yeah. other kind of adult cartoons and right. the adult stuff flies right over their head and yeah. they just think it's a talking horse or Whatever, but uh, you know, during COVID, at one point, I was watching Bob's Burgers, and my wife came in and actually got her watching it, and she laughed at it. And so I was like, "Sweet, yeah, we can, we, you know, we can, we can reach hands across the aisle between the responsible yeah. parent well, and the immature well, parent." Cartoon. If there's TV on and I'm in there at night, it's Cartoon Network, Adult Swim, right? You know, right. So, so uh, Berkeley. Where'd you go to college? University of Virginia. How'd you find your way up there? Just Knew a couple of people that had been there, sort of wanted to get out of town. Yeah. And, um, you know, had, had a good, a, a pretty good in, you know, person that could help me get in and had pretty good grades. So, how were your college years? Were you, were you a fraternity guy? Were you a sports guy? Were you a recluse? Were you a. More sitting around the fraternity house. So, yeah. Yeah. So, were you close to DC around that time? Like, could um, you make it there on been, a train or? Well, we would have been, uh, an hour and forty five minute drive. Oh, so that's a little bit of did you go to DC much in yeah. college? Oh yeah. We went we went several times. So I know you and I have uh, a shared love of music and yeah. we, we spent a lot of time kind of trading back and forth bands and I kinda wanna save that for the end, but DC has such a rich history of music with Fugazi and I was listening to uh, Repeater last night. Yeah, yeah. Um, reason being is and I don't know if you're on Twitter or not. I am I am on Twitter. I, candidly I don't know how to use Twitter. 
So usually I just go see what insane thing Trump's saying at any given moment. And that's have, pretty much I it. I have switched it all from, I mean, I still have you know political things in my feed, but it's almost 100% music. So many people that you talk with, that you speak with, talk about albums, like polls, talking about things like that. There's one guy over in uh, England who does this best three albums of, of a year yeah. each week. Um, and you know, probably gets a thousand people responding to him and he ranks them and everything. So this year is going to be 1990. Okay. So I was, uh, you're going to have some strong opinions on uh, well, that because you were I mean, of an age to, yeah, but you know, honestly, a lot of the stuff that I would pick is stuff I listened to after. Sure. Um, but the albums I have my eyes on, I mean, I think I have my number one choice is going to be uh, No Depression by Uncle Tupelo. Oh, sure. Uh, but I'm, I'm looking at the Fugazi album, Repeater's Great. Yeah. Um, the Laws, self-titled album, yeah. is pretty good. And there's something, 1990 wasn't my favorite year. Move back a little bit so you get that mic. There you go. Uh, yeah, no, uh, 1990 wasn't my favorite year, you know, in retrospect. Well, there was so much, yeah, you go back to that time frame, and, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff that was in circulation for me around that time period, I don't know. Well, but I, I think about it. So 90, we were starting, what were you, a sophomore in high school? Uh, no, 90, I would have been a senior. 90, I graduated in 91. So ninety ninety one, I was a senior. Did you? What are you like, fucking Doogie Howser? How did you graduate that quickly? If you're only I, a year older than I am, I graduated at seventeen. Wow! Yeah, I went to college at seventeen. Wow! And that's just because when I came down here, when I moved from New York, um, up in New York, the cutoff date for schools was October one rather than September one. Okay. My birthday is October seventh. Okay. But as you know, I'm a giant. Yeah. And so my mom somehow convinced them at one point to let me in. Sure. Basically, a year early. Yeah. Uh, just because of my size. Right. Uh, and so that's how I ended up, you know, ahead of the game. In that. Now, has music always been a big part of your life, or is that something you've kind of grown into? No, it's always been a huge part. And where did that come from? Did you have music in your family? Did you have a – you were the older sibling, so yeah. you didn't have an older brother no, introducing you to it. Actually, my mom was the was one of the people that, that – started me i when i was two years old i was listening to john prine records oh my god uh, so ha having parents with good musical taste yeah. that's a, a big leg up well she i'd say she had about in retrospect probably 80 percent of this stuff was great well right but to be on the john prine train when you were how old two two oh, yeah. so we're talking 70s so yeah. like you know he was 95 that would have been yeah yeah so just you know that was just kind of getting started almost. yeah no i think he's uh well, his self-titled album was maybe 70 or 71, so yeah. That's awesome. So you remember hearing that growing up in Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And so that was that was one thing. And then I went to summer camp. And when you go to summer camp, you just, there were so many kids that were like so many different, you know, musical things. Got, what was your first album? <sighs> you can remember. It's, I, no one's going to well, fact I can check tell you. Make it, make it up if I you I can tell to. you this. The first album where I took the time to learn the words to the songs were born was born to run. Yeah. Um, my mom was a, a huge one. Springsteen fan. Yeah. You know, a lot of the kids I went to camp with were from New York, New Jersey, so Springsteen was huge. Springsteen is Springsteen is an interesting journey for me because I my first recollection of him was born in the USA, mm. which is the per worst possible or start or start. Worst start for yeah. him because it's such a red herring of who he is and what he is and his talent not that it's a bad song or no. there's anything but that was such a poppy oh, yeah. commercial gimmicky song and you know he's he's i don't want to say our dylan but i mean because dylan's our dylan but you right. know he right. just 
is such an amazing writer, wow. musician, personality, and that song was just kind of a, a head fake. It, it's funny that you say you start there. I ended there. Yeah. Um, Springsteen from Greetings in Asbury Park all the way up to um, uh, right before Born in the USA, which was probably the river, darkness. No, it was darkness, river, Nebraska maybe, and then... My three, fa- I mean, the three yeah. most amazing albums in oh, yeah. the world. They're great. The River, the River. I, I think you and I have discussed. I mean, that song specifically, oh, yeah. and that album, that song. I, you know, I don't, that song's about his older sister. I did not know that. Yeah, no, he's writing it about his older sister and her, her husband, essentially, uh, or who ever became her husband. Right. And uh, yeah, I didn't know that until years. Did you see the documentary was, that was on HBO? No. You should. It's really good. He, pr- he probably talks about there, and I've just forgotten it. Well, there's, there's a, there's a, the, the lyric in the movie, and now I'm going to forget it because I'm putting myself on the spot. But it's, uh, is a dream of something if it doesn't come true, or is it something worse? And then it, uh, then it, is, it tr- is the dream alive or, if it doesn't come, come true, or is it, is it something, something worse? worse? Yeah. Now he continues it to say that brings me down to the river. So is it something worse that brings me down to the river? I don't know. There's. Just you know, is a dream alive? It doesn't come true. That that I can spend months just thinking about that line. Yeah, I mean, to me, knowing that it was about his sister, and uh, it, I mean, it, it it comes into place a lot. More. Well, not only that, but then there's almost a foreshadowing, and I don't even know that this was intended. But when I hear it, I hear that brings me down to the river. I almost think of like a suicide type of right. thing, you know, right. like, am I going to go end it down at the river, right. you know, and it's always these, his, his characters are always these American, you know, Tom Joe type care. I mean, I think he right. even wrote an album about that, but you know, these dreams that never quite played out. Right. Uh, and the thing that I love about it, and it kind of has been a catharsis in his later years is, you know, listening to this stuff, you always think he's talking about him or his life. And he's come out and said, no, these are just people that I write about or people that I see. And, you know, he's had a relatively, uh, I don't want to say mundane life, but, uh, you know, he's he's pretty successful. You know, he hasn't... You know, it's it's funny that you you talk about that, at least, you know, people thinking all the songs are about the artist. Yeah. Um, One of my favorite all-time artists, I mean, up there in my top two or three is Elliot Smith. Oh, my God. Um, I mean, you, you've seen the side of my building. You've heard me, if you have heard the other podcast, that that was the soundtrack to my law school career and studying with my wife. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so but, go ahead. Um, but, you know, a lot of people, you know, think that Elliot was Mr. Misery. You know, that was a nickname. His first four albums. You know, when he was with the band? or well, no, not when he was okay. with Heat Miser. But okay. Although we can talk about Heat Miser. There's some great stuff on those. Yeah. But um, his first four albums, which would have been Roman Candle, his self-titled Either Or, which is probably my second favorite album mm-hmm. of all time. and um, XO or? I guess uh, Either Or and then XO and Super or XO and um, Figure Eight were after that. And then From the Basement on the Hill, which was the album that was released posthumously uh-huh. he's doing it up until sure. the time of his death that's actually my second favorite Elliot album that's like they're all amazing come, he doesn't have a bad one exactly he, yeah. you know he didn't put out bad songs yeah all of even his worst song is above average sure um, but a lot of people think you know because he's got great drug songs and he had drug problems at sure. the end of his life but when he was writing those earlier songs from 
94 to 97. He was doing based on what he saw. Did yeah. you see the do- now? Did you see that documentary? Oh, yeah. Heaven adores us. Yeah, I mean, he's he's like a soccer kid. Him yeah. and his buddy playing in his garage. I mean, he looks you know like exactly. any kid you see playing on Bayshore. Exactly. Uh, you know, if you were introduced towards him at the end of his life or towards the end of his life, you see a gaunt person who clearly has issues that they're right. dealing with and drugs and this sort of thing. But you know, he was a he looked like he could have gone to Berkeley Prep oh, or yeah. Plan yeah. I or. Whatever else. Now, were you introduced to him from Goodwill Hunting? That's how I was introduced um, to him. That's when I first became knowledgeable oh. of him. Now, I I listened to him back then, and then you know, life happens and sure. drops and stuff. Over the past year or two, I've I've become I've gotten back into him, and he's just. I, it, it's weird because you know he was thirty four when he died, um, and you think why is this? It appealed to me back then, but now. Kills you more. Why does it appeal? Why does a younger man speak to an older man's sensibilities? Yeah, it's very interesting. Another one like that is uh, Jeff Buckley. I remember being into Jeff Buckley. That album Grace came out. I think I was a freshman or sophomore in college, and that it's funny because that music was so outside the scope of what I was listening to. You know, my freshman year of college, it was Rollins Band and Tool and Rage Against the Machine and Nirvana and you know these types of people and then here comes this guy who i don't even know what you would call jeff buckley um kind of a troubadour type of i mean he's a session musician for a while yeah yeah well i mean his dad you know he he, he came into it honestly through his dad right but that album was so perfect and so moody and again a young guy who i mean and he wasn't even nearly as prolific as elliot was you know he is uh I, i talk about him a lot one of my extremely close twitter friends it's her favorite album um all the people that i know absolutely love it i like it a lot it it didn't take me like it has so many people i mean i still rank it as a is a, is a hugely great album the only problem is when like the best song on an album is a cover well i know what you're referring to but he the, kills well cover. But, but well he you're you're it. also a a, a a fan of the original oh, yeah. of that song right absolutely and one of my favorite all time who are you referring to leonard cohen right so and that song's been covered so many goddamn times but at the time that he covered it it wasn't in every movie and in he, every he he, he killed it. it out of the park. Now, here's where I'll disagree with you, is I don't think that that's the best song on the album. I don't even know that it's one of the best three songs on that album. That's but, probably true. But um, I, I, I hear you. That's that's a divisive issue. Um, so, yeah, I, I, we'll be remiss to leave this session without talking. We've, we, we've got homework. We've got to talk about Leonard Cohen. Okay. We've got to talk about Tom Waits. Okay. We've got to talk about John Prine. Okay. we got to talk about the Minutemen. Uh, well, and, and while, while, before you end your list, you know, with all the people that you're talking about, are you a Husker Du fan? I am. Okay. Well, Bob Mould? Yeah, but I, and I love Bob Mould. I've got his new album pre-ordered on vinyl. Yeah. Um, but for me, Husker Du was, I mean, Grant Hart to me is just, I mean, he was one of the best. My favorite drummer to listen to. I yeah. don't, I'm not a technical musician. He just died recently, didn't he? Uh, probably 2013-ish. Oh, God, time yeah. flies. He had a he had a, a difficult life. Um, Bob Mould uh, is an interesting character, and and I I love him because uh, you know he that I don't know at what point in his career he came out as gay, but he is one of the toughest motherfuckers oh, yeah. out there, um, one of the most badass guitarists oh, yeah. out there, an amazing songwriter, and then like he's in this whole world of wrestling where he's. 
writing all the storylines for the major wrestling promotions right, right. and just kind of gets involved in that world. He does a theme song for The Daily Show. Yeah. I mean, he's kind of just... Are you going to pick up his protest album? I haven't that, even heard of that's it. That's his next album. I think it's out September 25th. I've been trying it's to get songs. I've been trying to get all of our music friends to write protest songs and none of them want to do it because okay. I guess they feel like they don't have ownership over what's going on right now but right. I'll, I'll of course I'll pick it up. Yeah, it's 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 uh Mold is fantastic. He um I mean what's great about them We're both Matt Dinosaur Man. Jr. fans too, aren't Absolutely. we? Absolutely. Okay. Great. Absolutely. The what's great about I'm starting uh, to understand that we're going to have to do several interviews, but go ahead. Whenever, whenever I'm here. Uh, I'd, I'd love to, but um, all those guys, Grant Hart, Bob Mould, Greg Norton, were fantastic with their instruments. Yeah. Um, which, you know, sometimes in punk rock you don't get. Uh, no, it, it, did, it didn't pay to be good on your instruments in yeah. punk rock. That wasn't what you were appreciated for. And almost it was it was a sign of uh, commercialism yeah. or something, you well, know. They were punk, but they didn't care about being punk. Yeah. Um, you know, but you, you can find some tremendous punk musicians, um, and, and those are the ones that I'm drawn to now. Um, you know, Dead, the Dead Kennedys. Uh, oh, I mean, amazing. As a guitarist, amazing as a guitarist East Bay Ray yeah. is, is just, I mean, he's top. Well, they're playing, they're playing like Dick Dale surf guitar, yeah. just crazy. And, you know, you, you saw some of that in the cramps. And, yeah. you know, there's this, there's this whole kind of component of punk music that's got this kind of rockabilly yeah. surf guitar. Oh, Poison Ivy did that well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that kind of live in that world. And I don't know how those two things, I, I think it has to be surf surfing and yeah. punk where that came from. But, Absolutely. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I've I've been a latecomer to Dead Kennedys, but I and it's this is what I love about music, and I think you and I share this is is these weird introductions that you have, and then it sends you down this rabbit hole. Oh yeah, um, you know, I I think I introduced you to Wee Jam Meccano, the documentary yes. on the Minutemen, and then you started listening to the Minutemen, and now you probably know more about them than I do. But the Dead Kennedys, uh, the way that I got into, I mean, I've always been aware of them, obviously, but. I watched a documentary on the Melvins, and uh-huh. they had the Melvins did one or two albums where they called themselves the Jelvins, and it was Jello Biafra singing for nice. the Melvins. Okay. And so, through my fandom of the Melvins, got me into Jello Biafra, oh, yeah. which then sent me back to the Dead Kennedys, and just amazing. No, they're they're great. And, yeah, um, that album, they, the compilation album that they put out, you know, sort of about the time they were breaking up. It's just fantastic. It's got a lot of their stuff from other albums, and it's got some new stuff. And it's got, um, you've heard Pull My Strings? It's it's the only recording of it, okay? And they were asked to play at this show, and this award show in San Francisco, and they were going to play one song, and then they stopped it. You know, they obviously rehearsed it. Right. They stopped it 15 seconds in, played the song Pull My Strings, which is just ripping on the record industry and everything it's just it's fantastic well i lo- i mean that's why i love biafras because he's yeah. such an ad- agitator even to this day you know mm-hmm. i always i was i was having a text exchange with our uh colleague madge vasai last night and madge vasai is the jello biafra of the local oh yeah the local bar he just uh he just doesn't let anything slide no so he doesn't i i i always wish i was a little bit ballsier and could uh could uh, be an agitator but you know when you have children and a mortgage and you know bills to pay you gotta kind of you, you know you gotta weigh things out yeah yeah, yeah. You gotta so, weigh things out. um so 
University of Virginia, we started talking about D.C. Did you, did you go to shows at all in college? Uh, no, not I mean, I went to – it's funny, like, uh, I probably went to a few shows here or there. And to be honest, I'm not a huge live show guy. Um, you aren't? No. Now, is it because you're a big guy? No, I think I just don't like people. You don't like crowds? Yeah. So let's let's back up for a little bit because I'm sorry I'm ordering my lunch while I'm talking. No to you. I don't mean to be rude, but I'm going to be here late tonight. If I don't have food in my stomach, I'll pass out. Um, you can see that I'm wasting away. Um, well, so a couple things because I, I identify with you in a lot of ways. We're both big dudes, right? Right, right. Uh, and I, I wonder if your childhood was the same as mine. Music was very much a refuge for me from not knowing how to relate as a kid. I was not good at relating. You know, I I kind of I think I was, this sounds like a humble brag, and I don't mean it to, but, you know, growing up with parents who were a little bit older than everybody else's parents, and then parents who were struggling with alcoholism, uh, I, I, I was very much of a of a internal person. I kind mm-hmm. of did better away from crowds, did better kind of on my own, my mm-hmm. own jag, and so... Music, music was the soundtrack to me being alone, drawing, kind of being in my own world. Nice. It was a refuge for me. Was that it, similar for you or no? Actually, no. Um, I'm, I, I had, I've become a lot more withdrawn in my older age. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, and, and rightfully so. I, uh, I, I was, you know, I, again, I went to a small school. Um, and you know, my graduating class was 90 people. Right. Um, you knew I, I still have friends to this day from high school from, that I grew up with. Um, and I, I was able to sort of go around and, and mix between groups and everything. So I, I had a pretty, you know, a, a pretty decent go at, at school as far as from a social point. Right. Uh, I don't know what was, I was just always drawn to music. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I just, if it's I think not it has playing, something to do with your brain too. I, you know, there's a, there's a book that I own, uh, but I haven't read it all the, all the way through. It's David Byrne, uh, mm-hmm. how music works. And right. I, I think he gets into the science of, of brain waves and chemistry and and you know song structure and beats per bar right. and all these things you know there's you know scientifically proven pleasing music like major chords versus minor chords and all all, all these different things and 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 so I, I have a feeling that there people with highly active brains or people who kind of move at a high speed mm-hmm. sometimes music kind of moors them or comforts them yeah. or kind of gives them something to lock into. So I'm wondering if that might be the case with you. I don't know. You know, I, I had I had a huge you know, epiphany musically. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you exactly when it happened. I, I grew up listening to great music, okay? Um, you know, Bowie. I remember going to Bowie in 1990. Going where? Um, Saratoga Springs. You saw him? Oh, yeah. Saw oh, him outside. Son of a bitch. It was fantastic. Best show I've ever so been. So what album would that have been, 1980? Um, 89. 89, uh, 90, okay. 19, it was 19, it was this July 7th, 1990. Was that was he was doing stuff with, like, Trent Reznor? And... Uh, no, he was just, I think he was just touring around. Yeah. He was played, you know, he played... You know, five or six songs off Ziggy, a lot of changes, some off Low. I mean, it was a great, great show. So I listened to great stuff growing yeah. up. Yeah. Um, but there was stuff that I probably had convinced myself that I really liked back then. But after college was the first time I listened to the Velvet Underground and oh, Nico's yeah. self-titled yeah. album. Yeah. And it was that point right then that I just dumped a lot of the shit that I was listening to. Yeah. And I was just like, 
why do I have to pretend to like this stuff because it's popular sure. or other people other people like it? And it was that album right there. And from that point on, my whole musical life changed. How did you find them? <sighs> just hanging out with a buddy of mine yeah. who loved music. Yeah. And then we just, you know, I, I bought the box set yeah. on CD back in the day and just enveloped myself. Yeah. And I'm the type of person, when I get in on something... I will listen to it nonstop, non-stop. for months. Yeah, I mean, yeah. just months. It might just be an album. It might be a whole set of albums. Um, well, you and I had talked in the past about Titus Andronicus. Yeah, yeah. Um, What's the one? The one that you the love? Monitor. Yeah, the Monitor. I mean, it, it's it, they've got some other stuff that's good before or after, but that album I probably listen to, that for to you. three months straight. Right, I mean, just constantly. Yeah. So I get very obsessive and and, and just listen. To I do that, but I also do like reading up or studying or watching video or whatever. Right. Like you know, uh, so I'll 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 listen to it a lot, but then I want to know like everything about absolutely it. You know, but I'm 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 searching on the, my phone sure. as I'm listening to sure. it. Sure. So yeah. I'm the same way. Yeah. So we talked about the first album that you at least knew all the words to. What was your first live show that you can remember? You kick me off the podcast. No, I won't. It's okay. Um, Cindy Lauper with the Bengals opening. Badass. Yeah. Well, the, the Bengals, the Bengals, were, Bengals hot. were awesome. Oh well, they're yeah. awesome and hot. Well, yeah. Susanna Hoff can play. Oh yeah. Who's she married to? She's married to someone famous. I don't know. I follow her on Twitter, so I yeah. Can't, she's I married know. to somebody. Fuck. Who's she married to? Dude. Let's 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 do this real quick because because this is going to bug me. I, I never do this on the show, but, uh, but too many times after the fact. While you're looking, while you're looking, I, yeah, it was uh, it was with me, my mom. Oh, Jay and, Roach, who's yeah. the, the director, did Austin Powers and Meet the Fire. Yeah, right, but, right, okay, right. That's what it is. Um, it was me, my mom, my sister, my younger oh, sister wow. when I was probably you, ten years I, old. I I am not a music shamer, and yeah. I think there is so much gold and so much music that people you know, shit talk about. Right. And, I, you know, I, there's... As long as we're not going to talk about the Eagles. <laughs> no. I hate the Eagles. <laughs> because of the Lebowski or no. independently of... That was that was my first thing when, after I listened to the Velvet Underground album. Just like, why do I like the Eagles? Why would I ever listen to this again? Well, I mean, I could I could have that conversation with you too, but I don't want to I don't want to make this a, a, a conversation. I mean, I'm not a huge Eagles fan. I I, I could tell you that I uh, I don't know if it was the Hell Freezes Over documentary or something, but we went to this house party of, 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 of a friend of mine, and this guy was very well to do, and he had this crazy like movie theater in right. his house, and for whatever reason, he had that documentary or that live show right. playing in the, the movie theater and at the end of the night we all just found ourselves sitting there transfixed by it and i mean there's great stories about joe walsh like every time they tour them having to pull him out of like a cracked den well he's the outlier he was the one i liked well he's the dirty gritty yeah. you know yeah i mean glenn fry and then uh who's who's the drummer not, um, not gonna say his name sorry don henley yeah don henley but uh no they were they i'll say his name if we're talking about mojo nixon we're shit talking about yeah well, I was the the great thing about '70s bands, and I don't even know that it's unique to '70s bands. But I put like I love I, I love Fleetwood Mac too. I do too. But Fleetwood Mac, you know, are kind of cut from the cloth of the Eagles. And there was these bands all during the '70s that were very incestuous. Right. They all had massive coke problems. They were all banging each other's wives. Oh, just yeah. all this stuff. So you know, I love I love not that I promote that type of lifestyle, but hearing about it and reading about you right. know. 
was it Eric Clapton sleeping with George Harrison's wife yes. and yes. you know Stevie Nicks sleeping with Mick Fleetwood and, yeah. and uh who's a guitarist Lindsay, Lindsay, Lindsay Buckingham. Buckingham and you know the Eagles were all doing the same stuff and Joe Walsh was you know just a live wire that they could barely right. rope in so I just appreciate that kind of time I mean oh. the 70s were just amazing in, in there art. was, but there's so many like in, in like the poppy crap that the Eagles did. There was so much lost and like like country like folk singers that should have been bigger, like John yeah. Prine, yeah, like Towns Van Zandt, yeah, like just you know Chris Christopherson, yeah, people like that that just got Were drowned seen, out. Yeah, by... they got lost by this just. Yeah, I don't know. But that's not the Eagles' fault. That's it's, it's the Eagles' fault. That's the Eagles. I, I blame myself. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm saying it's the Eagles' You're fault. You're an immovable object exactly. on the Eagles. That's fine. That's exactly. fine. So uh, that was your first show. Uh, so University of Virginia, did, and you didn't really go to shows because you're not into live music. Were you aware of the D.C. hardcore scene, even though it had been at least, you know, 10, 15 years I wasn't, earlier? I wasn't, I wasn't aware of much of the D.C. scene other okay. than Fugazi. Okay. Did you listen to Fugazi when you were in D.C.? Uh, I did. I mean, I was never in D.C. I listened to them a little bit in college. Yeah, okay. But much more so after. Okay. And was law school always the plan or? No, I mean, technically, I'm, it was the plan. What was I, your major in college? English. Okay. So law school. Yeah, yeah. But I took a year off and worked in a customer service job, like answering phones for an insurance company. Oh, fun. And so I got my ass in gear after yeah. that. Because yeah. I mean, in college, I had a good time. You know, I yeah. graduated in four years, which was a plus. But, yeah. Um, you know, coming out, I, I'm a lot better test taker than I was a college student. So yeah, I got my act together. For I'm the year. same way. I think I, I'm pretty sure. I I, I I always find this amusing because I'm not much of a rule breaker, as much as I like to portray myself as some kind of whatever. <laughs> um, but I was I was writing papers for people on the basketball team and football team for nice. cash. Yeah, which now, is you funny. Go to school? UCF. Okay. Yeah, Dante Culpepper was there. I didn't do any papers for him, but yeah. I, I, I he was there at the time. But um. Where was I going with that? Why was I making that point? I don't remember. Oh, I getting through. Co- I don't think I ever bought a textbook. Huh. Uh, and not that UCF is any kind of, at least right. at that time, establishment that you needed to be a rock scientist to get through. But I've I've always been able to do well enough to succeed without putting too much effort. So it's kind right, of right. a blessing and a and a curse. Right. In, in I some understand ways. completely. Yeah, I always rise to the middle of whatever <laughs> group that I'm in. Um. So uh, you took the year off. I took a year off, and I I bartended at Cha Cha Coconuts nice. for for a year, and yeah. that, that t- told me everything I needed to know about not wanting to work in the service industry for exactly. the rest of my life. So uh, where did you go to law school? I went to uh, Stetson my first year, and then transferred to Florida. Really? Yeah. Wow. So I, I, that's what that's one of the great things about the show is, as right. well as I know people, there's always stuff that I didn't know about them. So, so I, I had my act together my first year in, in law school. Like okay, I, that was at, right after. Would you year. figure out you didn't want to be saddled with massive debt? Is uh, that why you? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I did well enough my first year, and that with my previous scores, I could get in. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it, it's a difference between taking loans out for thirty-five thousand or fourteen thousand. Yeah. So, and so, were you the first attorney in the family? Well, other me and my wife. Well, but yeah. you, you in, were married. My, you were married to her at the time you went to law school, were you? We got married during law school. Did you really? Yeah. So did you guys meet at Stetson or UF? Stetson. Okay. We both transferred to UF. Wow. Yeah. You guys are wicked smart. Um. So that's cool. No, I'm the first lawyer in my in your family lineal. Yeah. What did your parents do? Uh, my dad was a um, computer programmer. Okay. Uh, he was. He moved down here. The reason we moved down here was he 
uh, got a job and like an executive position with a company down here. And that's how I ended up down here. So. And so you met your, met your wife in, at Stetson. I met my wife at Stetson. Yeah. 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 Um, how, how did that happen? Was that day one or kind it, of, it was, uh, you guys in a study group together? Yeah, we were in separate, uh, separate, um, divisions or whatever you call them. Uh, and she was good friends with this girl that was in the same section I was in. And I guess they started talking about me and I asked her out. Who's that tall drink of water over there? And actually, you know, do you know Melinda Morris? I do. She's I was a prosecutor with her over yeah. at Pinellas County. She was, the one, sure. she was the one who introduced me and Leslie. What's she do now? She is a defense attorney over there. Is she? Yeah. I, I, I haven't seen her that often. But yeah, she was. She started just about a year or two before I did at the state attorney's yeah. office over there. That's interesting. I didn't n know that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So uh, you guys had the conversation, and what was the conversation? Let's save some money and go to University of Florida, or I, I don't know how. It, I, I I don't really remember how it happened. I think she was more eager to transfer than I was. I loved that. How was Gainesville? That's great. Yeah, I mean, Gainesville's Gainesville. Yeah, I'm still. Uh, you know, Gainesville has a very rich musical history. Whether you're talking is. about Tom Petty or you're talking about the punk music scene, right? Um, were you, did you get into the music scene up there in Gainesville? I was at all? all studying at that point. Yeah, I mean, I, obviously, I grew up with Tom Petty. Sure. Yeah, um, and and you know, one of the best. Yeah, one of yeah. the best that there was. So amazing, and one of my biggest regrets. I talk about it all the time, but months before he died, I had a single solo floor seat, like a couple rows off to see him when he came here through Tampa. And uh, my wife's cousin got married that weekend and I had to go to that and I gave the ticket away and motherfucker. Oh man. Uh, he was, I mean, he was just brilliant. Have you seen, uh, there's a thing on the internet, um, him and uh, Gary Shandling. No. Gary Shandling shows up to his house, to Petty's house. They're, they're, they're buddies. Uh, it was obviously right I'm before watching this Sh tonight. Right before Shanling died. Um, oh, so this is somewhat recent. I mean, what Petty died two years ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it would have been it would probably the year or so before the time Shanling died. But they just sit there, and it's sort of like a, a situation really? like this, and they just talk. That sounds and, amazing. And <laughs> I think Tom's pretty high at the time. Yeah, but it's, it's fantastic. He's just such a fantastic. He was a fantastic person. Both of them were oh, fantastic people. They were great. I mean, Shandling was a very deep, deep, deep oh, yeah. person. You'll, you'll love. You'll absolutely oh, love I'm, I'm watch thrilled. it. I love. I love little gifts that the universe gives you. Oh, yeah. These things, you know, uh, that have always been out there. What was it? <clears throat> my my buddy uh, Greg, who we both know, we've, yeah. we've seen him play in his band live. He introduced me to uh, these documentaries called Driver Twenty Three and the Atlas Moth. Have you have yeah. you seen these? Oh my god, just fucking insane! This Driver Twenty Three, it's the story of this guy who's trying to make a career out of being in a metal band. I mean, it's a documentary, right. a true story. And I think by day he's like a delivery driver for like UPS or something, but. He has this, the, the, the best thing about it, and it's such a metaphor, just, I don't even know what, but uh, they practice in his, he lives with his parents, they practice in his parents' basement, 
And when they do these live shows, they have to get the equipment out of his parents' basement. And it's this <laughs> narrow stairwell, <laughs> steep stairwell. And they're carrying these huge, like, martial amps and all right. this shit. And he's got this whole system of pulleys and ramps. Right. And it literally, for an hour show, is like three days of them trying to get the shit out of his. Oh, it's great. It's such a great, I, I don't even know what it's a metaphor for, but it's just so beautiful watching how committed this guy is to his dream of music and just it, you know he's never going to go anywhere and at the end of the at the end of this i forget what he calls it but at the end of this end of the movie he's got this guitar that he created that's like a two-headed bass guitar it's just right. insane check out driver 23 in the absolve okay. but anyway okay. so anyways getting back to tom petty and uh gainesville and and all that stuff not going too far off on a tangent so you were you were doing the whole study thing oh, not yeah. seeing live music cuz were you even aware of Fest, that Fest was going on when you were there? Nope. Okay, so Fest, every year they do yeah. this, like, three-day, you know. Is that where uh, I saw Greg's uh, Misfit set from that? Is that that's, from, that's right, right, right. Yeah, Michael J's Misfit set. Michael J's, yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, and so this year they were supposed to do Minor Threat, but now Fest got canceled for this year. and they're pushing. Weren't they supposed to play someplace this summer here? And yeah, they were going to do Pre-Fest, which I think they do at the Crowbar. Yeah, and they were going to do their Misfits set, which yeah. I was so stoked to see. And, you know, I, I know you're not into live music, but I love it. And this, this I love this, that Wolfface show we went to. That was badass, that wasn't was it? great. I mean, yeah, that, that little hole in the wall. And yeah. I, I always love it. It's like somebody's quinceanera was going on on the other side of the yeah, building. Exactly. So you have like this... Latino wedding on one side right, and right. then these hipster people that are into Teen Wolf punk music <laughs> on the other side. And we're standing in like a pool room watching them through. Exactly. Yeah, that was so much fun. I yeah. enjoyed that. I'm glad you came out to that. Um, I'm trying to think who it was that we started talking. Was it Grateful Dead? There's some band that we that you just started educating me on. Was it the Grateful Dead or was it Led Zeppelin? Or It certainly wasn't Led Zeppelin. No? I'm not a fan. But, uh, no, but it's a classic band that you just... It might just have been Grateful Dead. I mean, I had... I'm trying to think, because I've no, I've known you for much longer than I knew that you were into music. But at some point, our relationship transitioned into almost exclusively talking about music. Yeah, I, I don't. It, may, it certainly may have been the dead. If it was like four or five years ago, yeah, then I was, I was through a heavy dead phase. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then uh, I know we started talking about television, and you yeah. got into Marky Moon, and yeah. really liked that album. We started talking about. Um, the Minutemen. We started talking about Rancid, Rancid who I know you love. Yeah. Uh, who are some of the other rabbit holes that you've gone down recently? Um, you wore a Wilco shirt to that concert, yeah. if I recall, yeah. and I'm a huge Wilco fan, so I, I know I we've mean, probably spent a lot of well, time. Well, you discussing. said earlier you said Dylan was our Dylan. I yeah. think I think Tweety is our Dylan. Well, there's there's uh, good argument. Did you read that book? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful yeah. book. Yeah. Um, but what's uh, your favorite Wilco album? Ghost is born. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. It not only is it my favorite Wilco album, it's my favorite all-time album. That album was right around the time I got married to Dina, and she bought this house over near Safety Harbor, and we were redoing the deck. And I was a state attorney, and I remember I took off a period of days. And I was having to pull like plants and lay lay uh, pavers and do all this shit. And that album came out, and this was before streaming, so I think I bought it at like fucking Target or right, something. Right. I, over the course of like three days, listened to it end to end like a million times. And that album is just transcendent to me. It, it, it doesn't have a bad song. And I, when you now, I didn't listen to it back then. I wasn't probably wasn't for the first time five years ago. Yeah, um, but 
after reading his book, that album just means so much more because that was right, you know, right at the time when he was really struggling with his addiction sure. before he went into the, and then you look, you think about songs like Hell is Chrome. Hell is Chrome yeah. and Spy with Spider, uh, Spider's Kid Smoke. Yeah. yeah. It's just, just brilliant. Brilliant. And so I, I, you know, I always, there's some bands that somehow by hook or by crook, I got in on the ground floor and I got in pretty quick on Welcome on the ground floor. And I don't, do you know who David Hall is? Yes. So David Hall were at Stetson. It, he and I were at Stetson together. He and I always talk Warren Zevon. So. Oh, shit. There's another one that yeah. goes on the list. Yeah. Um, but he burnt me. What was the one before Yankee Hotel Foxtrot? Summer Teeth. He burnt me Summer Teeth. Yeah. And that was their second or third album, that I think. That was their third. Yeah, they had AM, and then they had the the double. They had AM, then they had... Um, um, oh, I can see the cover, but I can't think of the name. Yeah, it starts with Misunderstood. Yeah. Um, well, not I'll being there, no, being there, being there, yeah. Uh, and then, but and then they had the Billy Bragg albums. Uh, that was before Summer Teeth. That was those were ninety eight. That was ninety eight, and Summer Teeth was. 99. I don't. I don't consider. By no means a shot at them because they're great albums, but I don't consider those Wilco I don't albums. When I when I rank them, I don't. I don't have Wilco albums. But to me, Summer Teeth, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, and The Ghost Was Born are just like the holy trinity of albums for me. Yes, but um, what's the one with uh, Impossible Germany and uh, oh, Sky Blue Sky? That that album, album is fucking insane. That well, is that's a, when they—that's the first studio album with Nels. Yeah, when, um, which he's he. But he played. You know, he started with them right after Ghost came out. Right. So all the live stuff, like on Kicking Television, yeah. a lot of it was Ghost songs. Yeah. Is all with him. Yeah. But Jeff kills it on Ghost. Yeah. On the studio. Yeah. He's such an underrated guitarist for me. Um, Amazing writer, underrated guitarist, poet, heavy-hearted, dark a, soul. Wasn't a bad bass player when he was with Uncle Tupelo. Yeah, either. yeah. And it's funny because that, that became kind of a divisive split, and some people went off with Jay Farrar and yeah. Sunvolt. But, I mean, can't even compare the two. And not that Jay Farrar's bad or Sunvolt's bad, but, I mean, Wilco... That's when I think it was when Yankee Hotel Foxtrot came out. Someone said they're the American Radiohead. And I don't know... You could spend a lot of time thinking yeah. about what that means, but uh, they're just amazing. I uh, they call I, them dad dad rock, which they could take a hit for, but yeah. I'm a dad and like rock. So I'll, I'll be honest with you, I love Jay too. Um, you know, I think at the time they were Uncle Tupelo, it was more Jay's band, but towards the end, Jeff started. I mean, the song New Madrid is just yeah. unbelievable, yeah. and. And he had some wonderful songs with Uncle Tupelo, like Gun, uh-huh. you know, just some great songs. But it always seemed to me like it was more Jay's band. Yeah. And Sunvolt's first album, Trace, is great. Yeah. I mean, really good stuff. But from that point on, it was like Jeff became, it was like you had Bob Dylan and Neil Young in the same group right. together. for sure. And Jeff became Bob Dylan. Yeah. And Jay is still great. Yeah. But he didn't. I don't know. I don't want to say grow. I mean, for me, I still like his stuff. I still like Sunbolt. It just doesn't resonate as yeah, much. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, there are people that I know that don't like Wilco and love Sunbolt. Well, those that kind of go the uh, the more kind of Americana country, right. you know, uh, you know, Wilco very much kind of morphed into almost this AM rock 70s classic weird you know i don't even know what you would call them anymore i, I mean all you know at least summer teeth yankee ghost is born 
three great albums, three chronologically, all totally different. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Summer Teeth is not anything like Yankee, yeah. and Yankee's not anything like yeah. Ghost. Now, at a certain point, they start, I think it was with Star Wars, they started like releasing electronic albums on their web, and they were doing oh. it without well, any press. Well, they did press. that with Yankee, right? That's how they first got Yankee out there. Yeah, I guess, but that's before there was Spotify yeah. and before all those things because because you go, you go, Ghost is Born, Sky Blue Sky, Sky, Blue Sky Wilco, Wilco the, album, the Album, The Whole Love, The Whole Love, Schmilko, Star, no, 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 Star, I think Star Wars, Wars. Schmilko. So it was Star Wars was when they started yeah. doing like no foreplay, just, hey, we released a new album, exactly. here it is. And those are the albums that I haven't kept as much track of. I, I've, every time I've listened to them, I've dug them, and I probably need to take the time to sit down because there's been... Star Wars, to me, is Jeff's Velvet Underground album. Oh, that's an interesting it, take. It, I'll it, have to listen it, to it, it through Velvet those. Underground slash Lou Reed. Sure. I mean, there's a, there's a song on there, and I'm not going to tell you because I think you'll pick it up, but uh, and I want, I want to see if you do. It's the one like the ceiling is something or the roof is something or the... What's that song that I love on there? Go ahead, keep there's a There is a song on there that could have come straight out of Lou Reed's Transformer album. Really? Yeah. Well, then I'm going to... I'm going to. I've got homework tonight. I've got Tom Petty and... What's his face? Um, I've got... Where are we at here? Okay, let's see here. Uh, Taste the Ceiling. Yeah, that's a great song. The yeah. song I'm talking about... Don't I will, say it's You Satellite. No. No, okay. It's... Um, where do I begin, maybe? Okay, yeah, that's it. All right, I'll have to check it out. So um, you meet your wife. You guys go to University of Florida. Right. And when you guys come out, what are your first job? Um, I worked at a um, employment defense firm in really? Jacksonville, and she worked at the PD's office. How did you find that job? Um, just, you know, through the, the – the, uh, they come to the school and sure. interview people. How long were you guys in Jacksonville? Two years. Okay. And then I went up to Atlanta um, and worked for a big employment defense. Did you take the bar up in Atlanta? I did. How was that? It was not bad because at that point I had been practicing two years and I only needed to take the Georgia part. Okay. And the Georgia part compared to the Florida part, um, it was just, I mean, yeah. it, it was so much easier. So what did you practice in Georgia? Uh, employment defense. Okay. And then I didn't like the firm I was with that much, and I went to a firm that just did insurance defense. Okay. And the way I ended up back here was I opened up a Florida office for them. Okay. Uh, criminal defense-wise, that's always been my wife. She was a PD, then she worked for this big DUI firm in right. Georgia. Um, and then worked for Escobar down here. Oh, she then, did? Yeah, for a couple of years. I didn't and, know that. Yeah, and then started her own firm, and then I started She's a her. tough lady. I, I haven't had cases with her in years, but I remember I had like an injunction, or I had something with her early on, and I was like... She's not to be trifled with. She scares me. Yeah. I mean that in the best possible yeah. way, but I mean, she's a serious... She's, she, she's, she's got a game face. Like, yeah, and she's... Uh, uh, She's a very zealous advocate. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and that's, that's that's what she's supposed to be. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, the song was The Joke Explained. Okay, that all right. That comes straight off Lou Reed's Transformer. I'm going to check it out. Um, so you guys then come... Do you still have your license in Georgia? I do. That's badass. I, I want to have my license in another state. It's, it's worthless. I mean, just... I know, but it, it sounds impressive, and plus it gives you an out. Right. Like, we, my wife and I love Asheville, North Carolina. Oh, yeah. 
And I always, every time we visit, I'm like, God, I want to sit for the bar here. But then I, the prospect of sitting for the bar again. We go up to uh, Lake Nantahala, yeah. which is a couple hours away from Asheville. Yeah. Uh, we've been up there three times. It's our favorite place in the world. Gorgeous. That's where we're going to end up. Yeah. yeah. I was talking to, uh, so you know, uh, Hackworth, he's got a place out in Montana. Right. And evidently, you can wave into the bar over there. Okay. And then uh, Mike Lundy's got a place in Utah, and I asked him, he's like, why would I ever want to take the bar there? So, right. um, and then I was talking to Matt Lundy, who's like barred up and down the East Coast because he does quadros pretty much for everybody. So, but I, having being barred somewhere else just is appealing to me. Huh. Um, so, what year is it that you guys make it back down here? 2005. And do you guys partner up right away? No, she worked for Escobar. I worked for the firm I opened up for two years okay and then she started i think uh 2008 is when we partnered up okay so. so and you guys pretty much exclusively do criminal defense don't yeah, you criminal defense and and you know the quasi criminal stuff like rpos yeah and, uh injunctions and things like that well and and that's impressive for those of you who don't know because so i left the state attorney's office in 2005 and when i went out on my own my thinking was there's no way that I'm going to be able to support my firm just with criminal work. I'm going to have to go into some other area to supplement it. And right. I figured, what does everybody hate to do? Because there's probably going to be a lot of work in it. And that ended up being family law. So right. I taught myself family law. And, and now that's primarily all I do. Um, but you guys have been able to be a success in the world of criminal defense. And now it's not just you and your wife. You have at least one. Two uh, other attorneys. Two other attorneys. So yeah. four attorneys total. Yeah. So supporting a four attorney firm just doing criminal defense is no small feat. Oh, it's it, uh, and a lot of it is having to do. We have a fantastic website. And thank you for saying that because yeah. that is. I don't know when I first became aware of that, but uh, at some point in the process, uh, I. What's the hearing where you have to establish that the funds for a bond are oh, not through ill gotten gains? Nebia. So I had a case where I was representing gypsies. Have you ever had the, the, the good fortune to represent gypsies? No, I have not. So Romanian gypsies, they, they, uh, it's a whole kind of subgenre of criminal defense. And it's this whole world that people aren't aware of. But it, so if you travel up and down Dale Mabry here, right across the street from the big gym that's the LA Fitness there, there's right. a palm reader place. Right. Are you familiar oh, with yeah, that building? Absolutely. So that's a gypsy compound, and I and I and they call themselves this. So I'm not being derogatory right. or denigrating to them, but uh, you know that there's a lot of palm readers. There's a lot of car repair. You know, I've I've if you drove into my parking lot today, that's the most embarrassing part of this building. I love my building, but my parking lot is a. It looks like you're in Beirut. I mean, the parking lot is but chunks of blacktop coming up everywhere and. I have had people come out and bid me on this parking lot, and I can never get a bid for less than thirty thousand. Right, but I always have gypsies come by, and they offer to do it for me for like two thousand or three thousand. <laughs> and I'm like, "What are you going to do? You're just going to paint the parking lot right. with like black paint or whatever." And right. so, throughout the course of my career, I've had the opportunity to to represent them, and it's always some mat. I had one where they there was a they try to hire a hitman, and it ended up being an undercutter sheriff. I've had them where they go up to elderly people's houses and they offer to fix the roof and, you know, whether or not the roof gets, you know, not, this is not true of all of them, but right. there's just kind of this subgenre of, of cases where they're it sound it, interesting. Well, it's taking advantage. There's that, but it was the, it was the hitman one 
where they wanted to bond the the lady out, and it was a huge bond as you could imagine right, for right. trying to put a hit out on somebody. And so this was in front of Judge Pomponio. Okay. And it was who's the attorney? She now lives in like California and like works in a wine country. Um, you know who this is? Blonde haired prosecutor. Oh, uh, Lori. Is it Lori? Um, no. I'll think of it later. God, getting old sucks. But anyway, um, I had to do a Nebby hearing, which he had to establish that the money that they were being used to bond this person out wasn't through ill-gotten gains, and it was in front of Pomponio. And so I started researching it, and the greatest resource that I found on it was your website, yeah. educating me on Nebby Hold. So how is it that you guys... That That is all 100% Leslie. Was that just her idea to do that? Yeah, no, she... Uh, is she the one writing the content? She, she writes all the content. It's insane. So, uh, I mean, it's literally like your website is Westlaw or something. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, and I, I, I mean, obviously she doesn't write as much as she used to, you know. But in building it up, I remember from two thousand eight to two thousand thirteen. I mean, every night she's writing content. It's I mean, cool. it's an impressive night. deal. Yeah. So and and then it, it's it's been great because it, we get a lot of like I guess natural organic clicks. Just based on for the sure. So well, we're... not only that, but then you know, once you're in practice long enough, there's the kind of reciprocal from prior clients and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Frequent flyers. Frequent flyers. That's right. right. So, so I I always have much respect for firms that have been able to uh, survive and 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 succeed and 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 you know do well just doing crime because. There's not another area of law out there where the competition is free. Right. Right? Right. I mean, with criminal law, you're fighting against the public defender's office. Exactly. And they're free. Yeah. And I remember, especially in 2008, when the market tanked, I mean, when I started in 2005, you could get 25, 30 grand on a trafficking case. Yeah. And then after 2008, if you got 2,500, 5,000, 10,000, you were lucky. Yeah. So it's rebounded a little bit. And yeah. I mean, obviously, the, the thing with the public defender is, is they're overworked and underpaid. And so, you know, not that they're bad attorneys, but a lot of times maybe the attention to detail or the service that you're getting through them is not what you're going to get through a quote unquote street lawyer. But, right. um, you know, it's just that's always been the problem with criminal defense. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. I mean, you got to stay on your toes. And, and you know, you, you, know, you can you, obviously you can make a good living with it. Yeah. We got no complaints. Yeah. You know, we do well, but. You're never going to be one of these uh, lawyers with the 50-foot yachts sure. doing criminal defense. Well, I mean, you remember uh, it was Barry Cohen or yeah. some of these other guys locally that were able to kind of live that lifestyle. But not for a long time. You don't time. see yeah. it much yeah. anymore. I mean, I guess Escobar's kind of there a little bit and some of these other people. But Right. Um, so now you have three kids? Three kids. Are they all boys? No. Uh, girl, boy, girl. Girl, boy, girl. So two girls and one boy. Almost 15, 12, and almost 8. And how is that? How do you like being a dad? Oh, it's it's different. Yeah. I mean, it, it's great. I mean, they give you a reason to, to do everything. Yeah, um, a motivation. And, yeah, and it, it's it, it's fantastic, you know, just those, you know, those little moments when you see things that you recognize in your wife or yourself yeah. and not on your kids. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, yeah. you're, you have two kids now, right? Yeah, uh, it's it's hard raising kids. Well, your your you, yours are a little bit older, so they're a little bit more self sufficient. Yeah. You can take your eyes off of them oh, a yeah. little bit longer than I can mine. I they're they're all pretty self sufficient. Yeah, now, so. yeah, yeah. 
um, and running a practice with your wife, we've got that shared experience. Is she the boss? Or are you the boss? Do you guys share it? Do you just let her run the show? Or she's pretty much the boss. Yeah. Um, so yeah. what? What's 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 your what's your contribution to the firm? I mean, with associates, are are they going to court? I mean, no one's going to court right now. But yeah, no. I mean, I I do a lot of the. I, I drive around to a lot of the different court. Yeah. Like different courts around here. Yeah, I like doing that. I like being in the court. Do you room. try and handle specific type cases like the I other? Prefer, I prefer drug cases. Yeah. Uh, I don't prefer DUIs. I leave that to her. Right. Um, but I like uh, I like I like drug cases. Yeah. You yeah. Know, I, I can get behind them. Right. You know, I yeah. Think we should. I think we shouldn't have criminal penalties for things like well, that. Well, and and so uh, as much as as far as I try to not get into this topic, uh, I, I I'm going to do it again. But uh, I, I this movie I've been heard about forever, and finally watched the Thirteenth uh, on Netflix. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. I'd highly recommend it, and it talks about how the Thirteenth Amendment, the way that it was written, basically gave our country a way to uh, keep slavery and call it something else. Uh -huh. And it says that no person should be indentured in servitude unless convicted, rightfully convicted of a criminal offense. But then what they started doing, especially with the drug charges, is they started writing them such that the inner cities were getting just pounded with punishments on these right. drug cases oh, yeah. where... You know, in the, in the suburbs or, or on Wall Street, powder cocaine was a slap on the wrist. But if you did crack cocaine or yeah, a hundred times, the, just getting dimed yeah. up. And it was just a way to kind of focus on minorities and all these types of things. And, you know, uh, it's generally been proven that treating the, 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 the drug ep epidemic as a legal or a criminal thing versus a health thing. Doesn't it's just work. been a massive failure. Yeah, and agree so 100%. Uh, you know, I completely agree with and understand getting behind it because yeah. I really just think it's something that needs to be taken. I mean, if you're selling, if you're trafficking, that's one thing. But right. using, or possessing something else entirely. Uh, yeah, there shouldn't be criminal penalties for possession up to a certain point. Yeah, always, and obviously that that would hurt me from a business standpoint, but from a right and wrong standpoint. That's the way it should be. Well, for sure, yeah. Now, do you do any federal work? Uh, I try not to. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm barred to, and I do some, but uh, you know, you go to federal court. It's you, a different world. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't have a chance. Yeah. I mean, they've got their everything together before they even arrest you. Right. And uh, the rules there are, are favor the prosecutor. Yeah. Whereas the rules outside are, you know, in state court, kind of fair. Yeah. So. Yeah. Now, does your wife share your passion for music or? No. I so, mean, she loves she loves music, yeah. but she doesn't. I mean, I during this pandemic, I'm essentially listening to music twelve hours a day. Are you listening to it on your phone? Are you listening to it on vinyl? Are you listening to it? My phone and vinyl. Because yeah. did you did you recently get into vinyl, or did we just recently start talking about? Yeah, vinyl? no, I recently. I, I I've had over the years. I had records when I was a kid. I sold those. I had tapes. I yeah. sold those. I had CDs. I sold those. Now I have everything I need on my phone. Yeah. And so I'm just going back and collecting cool records that I like. I, I, lo I, I love listening to vinyl. Oh, me too. Me too. So I put it off forever because I was like, I know I'm going to lose my fucking shirt on yeah. this because it's just such a thing that I would. I, I, I kind of collect stuff and then with yeah. music. So I had this insane CD collection. Uh, and then in college, I got a good portion of it stolen from my truck. Oh. And so I had to replace it. And then I continued that right up and through until 
probably 2008, 2009, okay. right around the time that there was iTunes and then, you know, MP3 players and then now Spotify. And I finally got off of CDs. And when my wife and I, we built our house that we're in and the, the room that's now her office for a long time, that was kind of the everything room. And I just had boxes upon boxes upon boxes of CDs. And finally she was like, I want to, I want to make this an actual room and not just a closet for your shit. Let's, right. let's get rid of it. And so finally I, I, after much consternation decided I'm going to go and sell these CDs and I got I got some decent money for it, but I got rid of all that, all of that. And it was, it was liberating to me because I didn't have it on me anymore. And I was like, I'm not going to do vinyl. I'm not going to do vinyl. I'm just going to do vinyl. Aren't you? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. Uh, I Long story it. short, no, I, but, but but the story that I've told myself is I'm only going to get albums that are very very important to me, which I've kind of stuck with, um, you know, every now and well with COVID and 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 I've some to some degree become friends with Rob over at Planet Retro and right. St. Pete and Keith over here uh, at Microgroove, and I just got to go to. Uh, jerk dog down in uh, manatee doug holland has that place down there and you know i'll see like i got like the butthole surfers first first ever recording and, nice nice. yeah just a random because the butthole surfers are near and dear to my heart but um but, i mean you can get i mean online i think oh the discogs you could oh it's fantastic. go crazy with plus all of these uh you know you know all the record labels have their you can just go straight to them now yeah and get the stuff you know i sometimes just order stuff because i like the record label Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. So what are some of your record labels? Um, I mean, I love Matador. Yeah. Um, I, here's Broker's Tip. This is actually, um, I, I just bought a bunch of seven or like four seven-inch vinyls from there. Um, this is run by Bob Nastanovich from Pavement. Okay. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, another is, one. Who is absolutely like the nicest guy ever. Yeah. Like, follows me on Twitter. I follow sure. him, talks to me and my friends sure. on Twitter. Just like totally accessible totally cool guy and he runs a non-profit record company yeah and so they just put out seven inch vinyl and he picks up four or five of them and they're all good so when i went to when i went to college i uh i was huge into discord and then i uh got really big into revelation and got like youth of today gorilla was for gazi right yeah yeah because i was like yeah um ssi SSD, yeah, SSD. that's Greg. Yeah, Greg Ginn's one. Uh, and so now that I'm in vinyl, I've been ordering stuff from SSD directly yeah. and from Discord directly. I just got the original uh, recordings of Minor Threat. You know that that was badass too. Um, but no, record labels is a fun way to approach music too. Now, um, I'm I'm drawing a blank on the name. He was in Big Black. He uh, recorded, uh, I think, in Utero for Nirvana. He's from Chicago. Uh, oh, what the fuck! Oh, this is gonna kill me. But I wanted to tell you this story about Greg. Um, so anyway, his wife Lauren. I don't. Did you meet? Did you meet her at their concert? Was she there? Yeah, she was yeah. there. Um, that she. If, so did, did you? I don't know. Well, you're not on Facebook anymore, right? No. Um, so uh, well, I'll, then I'll tell you two stories. Uh, so Steve Albini is who I'm looking for. Um, you know, Steve yeah, Albini. Yeah. So uh, anyways, I was talking to, to Greg and Greg was telling me that. Um, so Steve Albini has done like Jawbox, Jawbreaker. Right. Uh, who, who's the Kim Deals band with her sister? Uh, Breeders. The Breeders. I think he I think he did some of the Pixies. He did Nirvana. He was in Big Black. 
Uh, I think he's done the Melvins. He's done just crazy stuff. But literally, you can just hire him to go have him produce your record. Oh. And uh, his wife Lauren uh, w- tried to tried to book a session for Greg to go. And, but what's funny is is Albini's like notoriously harsh. Like right. he'll tell you your music is shit or whatever. You know, like. Right. While he's doing it, so I always thought that that was kind of a, a, a cool story. No, but uh, I forget, I don't know if it was Father's Day or what, but my wife gave me an email chain. Her and uh, her and Bruce Springsteen's publicist, her trying to see if she could get Bruce Springsteen to come on my podcast, and it's actually a back and forth nice. with Bruce Springsteen's publicist. And I'm like, the balls just to even ask that question, and yeah. the fact that the publicist even responded to your email, right. To me, is the best gift in the world. So I've got this email exchange between my wife and Bruce Springsteen's publicist. That's great about him coming on the show, which I just think is the, the greatest That's thing you ever. Get on Twitter, man. They, there's so many musicians out there, and a lot of them are accessible. I mean, a lot of them like go out of their, you know, will, will yeah. like your messages. Some will even correspond with you, like Peter Hook from Joy Division, oh, yeah, yeah. New Order. Yeah, I always see him, you know, talking to fans. I'm friends with Joe Lally because of I don't know, it was Dave. De- I think it was Dave Decker. I'm friends with Joe Lally from Fugazi on yeah. Facebook, and yeah, yeah. Um, so what's so what are you what are you into right now? I see you came in with a Kurt Vile shirt. Did you that, now that looks like a concert shirt? Is no, that, it's no? Uh, it's just a it, it's the it's, I just got it on this website. Yeah. yeah. And I, uh, so what are you what are you digging right now? Yeah, I've been listening. I listen to a lot of you know folk alternative right now. I mean, give me some, uh, give me some names. I've been listening to a lot of uh, things related to Jason Molina. Okay, uh, now, who is it? You just I got I got to check up my texture because you just sent me someone recently. Oh, the, was that the Expats? I think it was the Expats. The Expats are great. Rarely anymore do friends introduce me to stuff that I haven't. They are. Heard I of, think they you, were around two thousand. They started in around two thousand fifteen. Uh, the Singer drummer is Inez McLean, okay, who just turned twenty one. Okay, so the albums that I've been listening to were her from like when she was like seventeen on. Right. Her dad Kenny McLean is the guitarist, and then there's a the bassist. Oh, that's that's so pretty like badass. There are three. There are three people, and they're just. It's like it's literally like the Cramps. Oh wow! I mean, the, the they take a lot. It's it's very punk, uh, you know, very like. Fast punk, yeah. a lot of cramps influence there. Um, you know, really, just really great stuff. I mean, yeah. if if you're a punk rock fan, I've I've sent it out to a couple people after it got uh, recommended to me, and I bought a couple of their albums on vinyl, and it's just fantastic. Well, stuff. you and I always seem to be on a frequency with each other because without fail, like you'll say, "Have you been Have you been listening to this lately?" And right. literally, like. Either I was just starting to get into that again, or I had just finished going down that path. So you and I kind of always yeah. have this ebb and flow. Because I remember we had this Mark Lanigan yeah. obsession that kind of coincided with each other for a while. Yeah. Um, I, I I continue to go down Dinosaur Junior rabbit holes, right. um, and there's just so much rich material there between his solo work, Lou's solo work, right. Sebado, Dinosaur Junior. Right. Um, so much great stuff there. Um, who else were we talking about? It's going to kill me, though. There's somebody else. Oh, well, I know uh, I, I had you finally listen to Dope Smoker all the way through. Yeah. Yeah, which is... That is, a, that is, is it's just an experience. Yeah. If well, you, you haven't done that, you know, who, if anyone's listening who hasn't done that, you need to do it. Listen to it. Well, you know where, what introduced me to that that album and that band was uh, the movie Broken Flowers with uh, 
Bill Murray. It's a Jim Jarmusch right. movie, right. and Jim Jarmusch featured Dope Smoker throughout that movie. So if you can, if you can think of a movie that's got Jim Jarmusch directing it, Bill Murray acting in yeah. it, and no, I've, I've, I've seen, I've, I love Sleep Plant. Yeah, it's yeah. it's just crazy. one of my favorite rockumentaries. Yeah, Kimmy Danger. So oh yeah, 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 for sure. Well, I mean. The Stooges and Iggy Pop. That's well, another got, one we can. I've got so yeah. We, we well, got Motorhead that. We... was one that we spent a lot of time oh, yeah. talking about. You're a big Lemmy Motorhead. Love Lemmy. Yeah. Love Lemmy. Were you into Hawkwind at all? Uh, I mean, I've listened to it. Yeah. Um, but no, it's a little too spacey. Too trippy, spacey yeah. for you. Yeah. Um, but Motorhead, the songs originally at Hawkwind. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Crazy. I mean, Lemmy wrote it. But... Did you see that documentary, the Lemmy documentary? Yes. Yeah. Badass. Yeah. So, who else are you listening to right now? Oh, uh, let's see. Yeah, I'm give me some. Give listening me some. to a lot of uh, a lot of, as I said, Jason Molina related projects. Um, listening to a lot of. I'm going back and listening to a lot of Husker Du and Grant Hart, Kevin Morby. I don't know who that babies. is. Okay. Um, you ever listen to the Wipers? Was, no. You gotta listen to the Wipers. Morby was the Babies and Woods, and then okay, um, he's he's. You know, folksy. You know, going back and, and getting stuff that I hadn't really gotten into a lot when it was around, like like listening to Mercury Rev. Yeah. Um, Guided by Voices. Guided by Voices. Yeah. So good. And Ryan, who is uh, the uh, guitarist in, in uh, Wolf Face, he's got a band called Rudderkin, okay. which if you haven't listened to um, uh, them, check them out. They're on Spotify, and they just did a cover of Game of Pricks by uh, Guided by Voices, nice. which is badass. Nice. Yeah, I love Robert Pollard. Love Guided by Voices. You know what I've been listening to a lot that I totally missed. I mean, I could have at any point in my life. Rocky Erickson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rocky? Was that the Thirteenth Floor Elevators? Yeah, he yeah. just passed away recently. Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah. He, um, there's an album, and if if you haven't listened to it or don't know it well, the Evil One. Okay. Um, 1981. It's like a vampire themed yeah. album. It's so good. I'll have to check so that good. out. I mean, he he was such a great voice, great singer, great. I always voice. love finding these people. Like that happened with me with uh so I went back. You're a Nick Cave guy. That's oh, yeah. another one that we yeah. spent a lot of time talking oh, yeah. about. So so let's let's talk a little bit uh before what I wanted to talk with you about your 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 healthy lifestyle. I don't know. No, if, we don't need to talk about Okay, that. we'll talk about that another <laughs> time. But I know you're a huge Tom Waits fan. Uh, we've had a lot of conversations about Nick Cave, right. uh, Warren Zevon. We've talked right. about a little bit. John Prine, we've talked about a lot. So you really get into these singer-songwriter, oh, yeah. kind of lethereo poet individuals. Yeah. Um, I mean, Leonard Cohen. Leonard you know. Cohen, Bob you, Dylan. Yeah, Bob Dylan. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, uh, that's what I'm – I mean, if, if I had to – Pick. If I had to – it's like I like – Folk music, punk music, and folk alternative that came essentially from punk. Yeah. So, like, when you look at Wilco, yeah. and, you know, they've gone different directions, but I think Jeff Tweedy would tell you that the Stooges were, you know, yeah, one, of, yeah. one of his top influences. Yeah. Right? And all of those, all of those people. You know, Elliot Smith, you know, Heat Miser was a lot. Yeah. I mean, it was folksy, but it was right. alternative. Yeah. Um, you know their their album Mike City Sons. I don't know if you've listened to it. Is is great. Yeah, no. Uh, and that was right. Elliot had already had a couple solo albums sure. at the time. But there's a song called Plain Clothes Man. That's one of my favorite songs by him. And that was done by Heat Miser. But I, I I guess I I like. You know that's what I'm sort of into now. Yeah. Um, now do your no, kids get into any of this with you? Or no, absolutely. My my 
eldest daughter wants nothing to do with it, with anything I listen to. My son has gotten into various phases over, like, so he loves Bowie, because I was listening to a lot of Bowie sometime with him. He loves The Grateful Dead. He loves Wilco. Yeah. My youngest daughter will listen to anything I, I listen really? to. Really? And, and That's we'll just, awesome. And we'll just pick up on it, like, you know, just just start singing songs that she should. Like, when 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 you have an eight-year-old singing the words to King's Crossing by yeah. Elliot Smith. yeah. You know, it, it, I'm probably not the best dad in the world, but it sort of gives me a nice place in my heart. Well, you know, it's 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 a it's an amazing thing to me about being a girl dad. I I, I, I you you can never say that one is better than the other, and I have right. both. You know, a, a son and a daughter, and I've just been so pleased and thrilled by my son. But before I had children, I would have expected to have more in common with a son. So that always seemed like maybe the the easier route or the more pleasurable route and i have just been so amazed at being the father of a little girl oh yeah it's such an amazing relationship and such an amazing dynamic that well, how old is she now she's 6 she'll be 7 okay. and i mean she you just got, blows me away you got 4 or 5 more years oh and then yeah and then it's just yeah. enemies about 11 12 they, they just don't want, don't want anything, anything to do with, with you anymore. yeah well i'm going to i'm going to soak them in cuz you know we 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 bust each other's balls constantly, and right. we're. I'm so sarcastic with her, and Dina's like, "You can't do that. The little kids don't get sarcasm." I was like, "She does. She does, and she's so. going to get it way before her friends do." Right, right. Um, but she's like, "It's they're almost like," and I don't mean this, and I and I, and I always I always give this as being a former sex prosecutor, I always give this this warning. I don't mean this in a perverse way, right? But they're almost like a wife. They just have they're a counterpart to you in a way right. that I don't know how to explain it, but they kind of call you on your shit. They got their eyeball on you. They're yeah. not afraid to like tell you when you're fucking up. They're, yeah, exactly. They're like another wife to you. Oh, yeah. and, and it's just this interesting, interesting thing. So um, if you had to pick one, Leonard Cohen, I'm going to put you on the spot. Bob Dylan, Warren Zevon, uh, who's your number one? Who's the alpha singer songwriter for you? I mean, that's such a tough question. Well, here's the thing that this this podcast is going to tell me is clearly you got to come back because we're we're going to yeah. talk about we're going to so Anytime. you can have another answer next time I have Anytime. you on. Uh, but today, if I'm putting you a gun to your head, who's your who's your go to uh, singer songwriter? Zevon. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, dark guy, and I yeah. love you know dark guy. So Werewolves of London was my entry point to him. But that lo- would probably be my fifteenth favorite. Wrong well, for sure, movie. Lawyers, Guns, and Money. Yeah. For obvious reasons, his um, his self titled album, nineteen seventy six, yeah, top to bottom, yeah, is unbelievable. unbelievable. Just a dark fucker. He's like he's almost who's the uh, who's the the author with the beard? Uh, Buka- he's almost like a Bukowski, yeah, type character. Yeah. Would you agree with that Absolutely. assessment? Absolutely, yeah, and crazy. I mean, drinking, he, smoking, yeah, and 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 basically blackballed from the music industry yeah. for a long time. Yeah, um, just crazy. You know, had. You know, wasn't the nicest person all yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah. You know, ended up being a great guy. If you ever watch him on Letterman, yeah, uh, let, he was Letterman's favorite. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Letterman did a, a, a whole show with just him as the only guest. Yeah. Right before he died, because he knew he was dying. Yeah. And if you if you get a chance, go back. I'll and check watch that out. That. Yeah. And he plays uh, role in the Headless Thompson Gunner. Yeah. And uh, Mutineer, I think, which are which are two great songs. But yeah, he's just you know, he's to be able to write. I love songs that are just on ridiculously awful topics, but yet in an upbeat way. Well, like you take Excitable Boy. 
Yeah. I mean, that's one of the... the, the, the you had me in that description till the end. I was going to say Cohen, but Cohen doesn't make him yeah. <laughs> lighthearted. There's a, have you ever listened to The Tallest Man on Earth? Yes. Uh, he has a song called The Gardener. Yeah. Okay, which is about uh, a guy with mental illness basically killing people that he thinks are threatening him and his relationship for this woman that he loves. Right. And he buries him in the garden. Yeah. But it's it's done in such yeah. an upbeat way. Yeah. It's just fantastic. Yeah. And Zevon was like the king of that. Yeah, you Prine's kind of got that too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Then you get Cohen or Nick Cave who want to see how dark and yeah. just insane they could get. Well, Cave's on a, Cave's on a different level. And, it, and it's like every one of his albums now are like, a, it's like a, they're like operas. Yeah. I mean, like Ghost it's Bean. almost more of a musical movement. Right. Than you can't a, listen to them over and over. What's you, the Idiot's Prayer or whatever's yeah, the new Idiot's is that, Prayer. Yeah. No, his newest one was Ghostina. Okay, yeah. Um, well, at least that was 2019. Yeah. Just a great album. Top to, I mean, if you, But yeah. I think he lives it. Like, I think yeah. that fucker gets out of bed and puts on a black suit and slicks his hair back oh, and, yeah. you know, yeah. get, you know. It's funny, though, to watch his evolution or you know he's, he's growing over time yeah from like birthday party right you know, and you see him in that t-shirt it says like i want to kill all cops sure and now he's like the like he's like super intellectual yeah like his music is on a, a, a i mean it's on so many different levels and he does so many different things i love the picture of him and rollins where they're both sitting next to each other looking at that baby and it's yeah. like i can't think of two people less equipped to take care of a small child exactly at that point at least yeah yeah at yeah. that point yeah. at least but uh yeah he's and like one of my favorite songs of his off uh i guess it's off a of boatman's call is a song black hair okay where he just basically says the phrase black hair over and over yeah with different and, intonation and, and, and yeah and, and there's accordion and yeah, piano yeah. and it's just such a cool song yeah I mean, it's, it's supposedly it's about you know his relationship with pj harvey yeah and, um, well, Mercy Seat, I think it's Mercy Seat, Mercy is Seat. one of my favorite songs oh. from him. And then I even love the uh, Johnny Cash cover oh, of yeah, it. Oh, that's great. Um, just to, that that, so, that song gets my pulse going. Like oh, yeah. I, I get stressed out, but in a good way. Absolutely. With that song. It's like a clock ticking in the exactly. background almost. Um, so And, and then, I actually listened to one of his albums that I hadn't listened to before. He, I mean, his, his, he has such a vast catalog. But I'll tell you what it is, because it, it, it's, it, it's one of my favorite uh albums by him and i think it was 2001 let's see what was which one was it no more shall we part okay um yeah 2001 just i mean i hadn't listened to it, it was just it's got a, a ton of albums sure it's just yeah a phenomenal. deep catalog just deep just catalog a phenomenal album if yeah. you haven't if you haven't gotten into that one i would totally totally recommend it jason I, uh, you, no, go ahead. Uh, I think the person we were talking about that we were trying to think of going back was Jay Riotard. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. That's another one. So Jay Riotard, which gets me into the OCs, which gets yeah. me into a whole other uh, area of music. So I, 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 I'm not going to keep going because I've, I, I'm, I'm gonna, well, and I'm going to book you again because yeah. I could have this conversation. I need to get you in here with Gabe. I don't know if you've had the opportunity, but I want you to li listen to the Gabe Etchazabel um, interviews that I did. He's a, one of oh, the well. music editors for Creative Loafing. He's been on the show twice. The first time was just kind of a bio of him, but now I have him coming in and we're doing topics and you would be a great part of that. So he came in a couple weeks ago and we did, uh, we did uh, CBGB and uh, nice. uh, Max's Kansas City and we talked about 
you know, the New York Dolls right. and television and, and Richard all Hell and the Void Oils. Oh, he loves Richard Hell and uh, Eddie was it Eddie uh, Johnny Thunder and the and the and, and Heartbreakers. Heartbreakers and all. So he had so you got to listen to that one. But uh, I'm going to. I just messaged him today, top ten front man, and he's like, he's like, I'm on it. So uh, we're gonna do an episode top, top 10, ten front, front men. Right. If you want to, if you want to, if you want a piece of that, you can work on it, and I can have you two doing uh-huh. a debate. I don't. I can know have you both that. in here, but you're looking at two of them right there. Oh yeah, you got Lemmy and Ozzy, and yeah, yeah for for sure. Yeah. And behind you, we got Rollins. We got yeah. we got all sorts of good front men in here, and Michael J. Wolf over there. We can, can never forget. But anyways, thank you so much for coming in. Thank this, you for having this, me. This thank exceeded me. expectations. Uh, and I'm excited to have you come back in and, and talk music some more. Awesome. Have thank a great you, time. Thank you, sir.